You are listening to the Radical Inclusivity Podcast, brought to you by William Jewell College, Kansas City's critical thinking college. Now over to our co-hosts, Dr. Rodney Smith, Vice President of Access and Engagement at William Jewell College, and Ali Oni, Director of the Tucker Leadership Lab. Take it away, folks. Can you introduce yourself for us, please? Yeah, I'm Sam Baylor. I'm a third-year student here at Jewel. I'm a double major and double minor, psychological science and acting. Um, I'm a prior fellow, so that's where the acting comes in. Um, I'm a communications minor and an integrative healthcare management minor. Um, super, super free. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. All the time. All right. And I know you, you, you do some work with the Hilltop Monitor as well. I'm on ed staff out there um, on top of that I have like three jobs and then like I'm in like 30 different clubs and like do research like I'm everywhere you can't get rid of me (laughs) yeah I mean Sam I what I love about that is you have so many different perspectives Mm -hmm. at Jewel and you you know it's not like you're just me hanging out with my like hilltop monitor buddies right (laughs) like you just see so many different people and so many experiences on campus no I do and that's I think that's part of the reason I do it is like one day I'm at Quilt Bag, and then the next day I'm meeting with Dr. Smith for an interview for the Hilltop Monitor. The next day I'm an intern at Pryor. Like, it, it's never the same day to day, and I think that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about the Pryor Leadership Program, because that'll kind of lead into where we're going today. Yeah, so I never explained this well. So, Kevin, I'm sorry <laughs> if you're listening to this. Um the Prior Leadership Program is a program here at Jewel. It's a certification program. Um, essentially, you go through this insane interview process that is like super anxiety producing, and <laughs> um, <laughs> you get into this cohort with these some some really incredible students. And the mission there is to basically just learn how to be like a leader. I mean, mm. that sounds very dry because because the Prior Leadership Program, but you get to do these really cool service projects. You learn some really unique skills I don't think I would have learned otherwise. Mm-hmm. And you just have these, like, really intense conversations that I don't think happen outside of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, you're supposed to go on an outward bound trip, um, kind of an outdoor adventure-based counseling type thing. Um, yeah. So, so w- with that, you know, you talk about leadership. What's, so what's the coolest thing you've done as part of that program so far? That's a perfect segue. Um, <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, my research. So um, just going to jump into that. Uh, I'm a prior fellow. Um, additionally, into all the different labels I have, I'm also a disabled student. Um, I was medically screened from the Outward Bound trip, which is a requirement to be a prior fellow. You're supposed to go on this rigorous, like, two-week-long um, trip with your cohort, and it's it's life-changing. I mean, people will regularly tell you that they are not the same person when they get back from Outward Bound. And the literature backs that up. The problem is, is because it's so intense and because it's so um, outdoorsy and risky, like if you have health problems, while they try to accommodate, there is a limit on that. And you eventually do just get medically screened. Um, And so I was medically screened and I did not take kindly to that. Um, (laughs) And so the alternative to that... um, which is not the fault of the prior leadership program is to write a paper because you still have to get the credit for the class and to get that certification, you have to have that. Um, Pretty much what I did is I walked into the directors of the program's office and I was like, yeah, I'm not writing a paper (laughs) on something I'm not passionate about. So let's figure out what I am passionate about and let's go from there. Um, I've already fulfilled the requirement for the paper. I've already done that. I have the class credit. 
Um, but it's kind of snowballed, and this is where I met Al. Um, so I'm doing research on health equity mm. um, in relation to outdoor adventure-based counseling. And that's it kind of all started with the prior program. Mm -hmm. And just to like clarify a few holes for some folks that might be listening, right? Like being medically screened out from the program as somebody who was an outward bound Mm -hmm. instructor, like it's just us looking at the paperwork and saying like, I don't know that we have the capacity to like support your learning and support your health Mm -hmm. at the same time. And Mm -hmm. so for them, like the liability is I'm like, we adore you, but I don't think that we can support you in this type of program. And so Sam and I were talking and she was like, there have to be programs out there for people with disabilities. It's like, oh, there's so many. Mm-hmm. And so it was just really exciting to start talking with you about what you were finding. Yeah. And I'm curious if you could share with folks, like, what are some of the benefits of like outdoor experiences for folks with disabilities that's really driving your desire to have this type of equitable program here? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question because the answer, the short answer is good things. The long answer is we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. There's a ton of research and literature backing like the effects on the green space and outdoor adventure based programs for able-bodied people and people who could afford said programs and people who could, who just could all around physically do these programs um, and how they improve self-efficiency, self-reliance, teamwork, self-esteem, motivation, overall like subjective well-being is gradually improved and drastically and for the long term. What I quickly realized is there's very limited research on that same type of like effect for people with disabilities because it's one thing I learned is like exclusion is easier than finding an inclusive option Mm. it's easier Mm. to just say like we care about you we want you here but we know that we can't do that because it's not for lack of caring that people Mm -hmm. don't do these things it's they're scared and they don't want to see anyone get hurt Mm -hmm. so Mm. we don't know and that's where I come in. Mm-hmm. But the little bit that we do have shows similar effects, but on a smaller scale because these programs are always on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that, that quote, <laughs> exclusion is easier than finding something for inclusion. Yeah. You just blew my mind. My mind is officially blown for the day. <laughs> No, I think it, we're always looking for titles, if you will, <laughs> mm-hmm. to even call our podcast. And we're probably going to have to find something to, to, that mm-hmm. talks about that. Because I think that is so significant. I think it's so insightful for you to say it that way. Because I believe that it's emblematic of a lot that we see mm-hmm. with regard to... Uh, inclusion versus exclusion and and it's not that i'm suggesting that people are intentionally malicious yeah i I think you know almost jokingly almost tongue-in-cheek you know that what it also says is that we are lazy Mm. yeah (laughs) in Mm -hmm. that i'm glad you said it (laughs) (laughs) that we just don't want to do the work to find pathways yeah inclusion yeah because it's not easy i mean that's i've spent the last two years looking at this research and 
talking with people like Al and Kevin and I mean he, I mean I've walked into conference rooms with people who could easily like tear me apart um, <laughs> and it, it I just learned very quickly both on a personal perspective and on an academic perspective that exclusion is honest honestly just easier than inclusion it's not for lack of empathy it's strictly out of fear and like these conversations just aren't being had mm. you know no one wants to say like yeah, I'm scared to include you mm. because then you look like a bad person, but that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. Sam, I'm kind of curious, you know, we've talked about the prior program mm-hmm. and I think again, because exclusion is easier, it would be really easy for people to be like, Oh, this is like a niche thing. Yeah. Like it's not this global yeah. kind of experience that folks are having. And I'm wondering if you might be willing to share just like an example or two that's more of like a daily thing so that folks can, like they can't be lazy anymore. It's like, yeah. this is right here. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, of course. Um, I think about that a lot because I, I get in my head and I'm like, you're doing a very specific research project. So I do try to branch out. So, you know, I mean, one out of three Americans has some type of disability, I think is the statistic. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um a lot of people struggle with some type of disability, whether mental or physical or both. And for example, we see like a nine-year-old kid on the playground who was born with some type of um, abnormality and can't get up the slide. So his teacher tells him to go play on the sandbox. And it's like, that's still, he still has something to do, but it's like, he's just fully excluded from what his friends are doing, for example, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, in a workplace, we see people... And for a more like broad, flat example, like in wheelchairs, having to fight for wheelchair ramps and then when they're put in, they're not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like they're included, quote unquote, um, but it's it's still not equitable. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where on a bigger scheme that comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. At the risk of sounding like a proud papa. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of you, Sam. I mean, it's like, I I know you. Yeah, we've done a lot of work together. Yeah, we've done a lot of work together. And, but it's just so, I'm just, you know, so happy to hear that, you know, coming from you. You know, it's just like. We're doing something right here at Jewel that we are yeah. producing students, even if it's by happenstance, even if it's by, um, you know, out of a necessity that mm-hmm. we didn't have, if you will. But obviously, you know, this idea of you are really thinking critically about this, um, which is very um you know, enlightening for me, but also really gratifying and satisfying yeah, as a, as a one of the campus administrators. You know, to hear that. So, so congratulations, thank you. So, uh, yeah, talk 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 more about you know even some of the th- some of your writings. Even if you know, I know you had to do this writing project, but I know some of the work that you you and I have done together mm-hmm. has been in relation to your work with yeah um, the Hilltopper. You know the hilltop. Monitor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I think gosh. we need Could a name, name change name? right yeah, yeah. now. I'm, so, I'm, I'm logging on. <laughs> the hilltopper. Yes. I'm sorry. The hilltop monitor. But it, so I, I think that 
did 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 the work that you were doing with the prior leadership lab lead you to that work with with the Hilltop Monitor or vice versa or how did you um, get there? Because I know you your 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 focus with the Hilltop Monitor is diversity and inclusion yeah. initiatives yeah. and things of that nature. Yeah, so. that's my that's yeah. Um, <laughs> First, thank you for saying that. That was very sweet. Uh, boosted like my whole day by a million. Um, second, I don't think they're interrelated, really. I think I started doing the Hilltop Monitor as kind of... Um, I, I was just kind of bored. <laughs> mm. um, if I'm not always busy, I get bored. And so I just, just started taking some pictures and I like picked up an article. And then the next thing I knew, they were offering me an ed staff position. And I was like, I won an award for it. And I was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> and now I'm like invested and I enjoy it. And I'm working on a piece right now. And But yeah, my, my focus here at Jewel has always been like, how do we make truly make Jewel a better place? And how do we do it from the lens of criticism in a good way? Mm -hmm. Um as you've seen with my work with you and I, um, especially during a pandemic, I think that's been important. Yeah. Um, my work with prior, um, the word you used happenstance, I think that's like the perfect word for it is mm. like, yeah, we knew I was probably going to get it medically screened and I knew there would be some other class requirement. I didn't know that at 16 years old, when I was medically screened, I would sit there and take on this research project that two years later I would be sitting in a podcast room talking about <laughs> um, applying for grants, applying for funding, applying for ethics board approval and all this stuff. I have like a million different advisors and people are excited for this project. There's a lot of things working. Um, I mean, we're getting ready to implement like an entire program to do my research and then hopefully take it even farther than that. And Sam, do you go on? Tell us about your vision. <laughs> Girl, share it. Share it with the whole world. Well, when it comes to me, I'm a talk. So, yeah. So, I guess for timeline, um, I started here at Jewel when I was 16. So, I was a literal child. Could not make my doctor's appointments by myself. Um, and that's when all this started, which I think is kind of kind of cool. Um, so, I was medically screened then. And then by um, my sophomore year... I took a medical leave for my own health problems. And then when I came back, I came back at this project from a, like an almost a new angle because I've always faced these problems in equity and disability inclusion in my life because I was born with a genetic disease and I've always struggled with health problems. Um, but I came back from what I had went through and I was like, okay, this needs to be fixed. Um, and so I finished the literature review, which I have like a 22 page long literature review definition of terms. I, I did cry over it multiple times. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I started talking with Kevin and he was like, this could really be something. And I was like, I want this to be something. Mm. Um, and so slowly it went from like, OK, you fulfilled the requirement for your paper. Let's take this to an honors project. Um, so knock on wood that I have the GPA for an honors project. Um, that's the next goal. Um, and then from there we started looking at it as like, okay, you pretty much already have what you need for the honors project. You have the literature review, you have a defense committee pretty much. Like I have people who are ready to come on and back my work, which is really, let me say really cool when people are looking at you and be like, you're doing a cool thing. Yeah. Um, especially when it's like people with like multiple PhDs that you know are like better than you and you're like, okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's very nice of you. I'm going to say like they're not better than you. Exactly. They're, just, they're just older than they're you. They're just yeah. older. You took the word. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. Um, and then from there, 
I was just kind of sitting at home and I was like, yeah, no, I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm just talking about this. What are we going to do? So I, I used to have a regular research meeting with my advisor because now I see, see him twice a week because I'm in there every day like, hey. Um, <laughs> and I was like, let's make a program. Let me go in there. Let me let's facilitate this entire program. Let's get Tucker on board. Let's find participants who want to do this. Let's find a way to get a truly equitable outdoor adventure program on campus and then two birds, one stone, I'll conduct this research and add it to the literature review and make it an actual research paper um, on qualitative data to see if this truly improves subjective well-being in people with disabilities. And then also now we know that Jewel is capable of doing this. And then that's where people like Al comes in because we have like this huge, wonderful, miracle team. And I love them all um, mm-hmm. <laughs> helping me with this. Um so like Al's on the administration side of things and she's sitting there and she's being like, okay, this is when we can do this program. This is what we need to do before. This is how we can get participants. And then I have people in the psych department are like, this is how the research needs to be done. This is where we're going to go from here. This is how you need to log this. And then there's my research, my main research advisor from prior kind of overseeing all of it. And we're all having these big, important meetings with all these people. Um, but the end goal here, the vision is... Um, I think right now we're looking at like a one to two day program with people, self-identified people with disabilities. And then um, we're facilitating an entire outdoor adventure program. And then I'm taking that research that is done and putting it into paper. And then we might go for publication depending. Um, But then aside from the academics, because whatever, if I don't do it, someone else will eventually do it. Um, well, yeah. um, hopefully, um, I just want to see Joel have like an equitable option for disabled priors, um, because, you know, and this has nothing to do with the prior program and nothing to do with like Joel as a, as a facility and everything to do with that. Coming back to that message of like exclusion is easier than inclusion. It was crushing to know that things out of my control were taking away from my education. Um, and I don't mm. want someone else 10 years down the line to have to experience that. You hear that, listeners? Um, you can do something about <laughs> circumstances around you, and one person can indeed make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I am extremely, I am beaming with pride over here. It's <laughs> a proud papa. Um <laughs> that you are thinking in that way and not just thinking but doing mm-hmm. uh in that way um so you know i i, I have now dreams for you <laughs> no, pressure. no pressure no pressure gonna add another that. phd <laughs> yeah. so exactly so I'm, I'm just like thinking of stuff okay now i can help have sam work on this and then do this yeah and, but What's next then? Because th- that's a, those are some major, yeah. Those are some big things, Sam. And uh, I think, I mean, I'm inspired by it. So I'm, 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 I'm going out on a limb and saying that others will be inspired by it. Um, we we've had pre- some pretty good feedback. Yeah. Al and I have been a pretty close team on this um, since the start. I kind of just showed up in Al's office one day at eight a.m. and was like, "I have this crazy idea and I need your help." <laughs> um, and she was like, "Okay, <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Let's do it." <laughs> so we've had some pretty good feedback. Oh, I'm sure. I am sure. And um, I'm not sure if somebody else will do it. I think y- you need to continue to do it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. as far as the, the 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 writing, the academic piece, but also just 
you know, getting other people involved to do other parts because everybody has a part to yeah. play. You know, everybody's not going to do the same thing, but you'll do something yeah. that's a part of the team. Um, so continue to do your part, and it will, I'm sure, inspire others to do their part and figure out where where they fit into the puzzle of the work that you all are doing together. Yeah, so I talked to my research advisor about that a lot, like, because we've had a lot of like, okay, long term, let's say this somehow all perfectly goes according to plan, which nothing ever does. But in this dream world, everything goes perfectly according to plan. And I'm able to leave this here at Jewel and come back to it periodically through my life. Um, I, I literally said this in a research meeting. Let that marinate. Um, I said, <laughs> we'll be like Lowe's. We'll just never stop improving. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, queen. And so, um, that's the goal is like, I want to, I want to set this foundation here and I want to see it like, like, okay. Like, yeah, Sam from like some random girl named Sam in like 2022 did this. And now I'm a student here in 2042. How can I add on to this? Like, cause I, I mean, that's how the prior program even came to be it's like that's how jewel as an institution came to even be start thinking about this radical inclusivity that we have is like i'm happy to lay this base work but if it ends here i'm gonna be mad i'm gonna show up and i'm gonna be like where is it what are we doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's that's kind of where i'm at that's why i write for the monitor is like people can look back 10 years from now and be like this is where we were at when this rando talked to rodney smith and we saw what we were doing and now we can see where we need to go and we can see where we've been. Yeah. Long term thinking, long term mm-hmm. planning. Yeah. It, it, and, and it really hits me at various moments throughout my life because I shared this story on, on the podcast at another episode earlier in the year about um, that very thing that mm-hmm. you are, when you work for an institution, any institution, but an institution like, Jewel in particular, you are a part of the existence of this institution in its continuum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, the school was established in 1849, but it still exists today. And so you are, you are a member in that lineage. Yeah. You are a part of that historical timeline. No, I think about that all the time. It's <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was actually working on something in my internship yesterday and I was like going through all these different photo albums and I was like, this is kind of crazy that we have these things from like 1997 that have been sitting in this drawer, but I'm getting to look at them now doing this thing that I'm doing. It, it's very cool in a way. And I, I'm, I don't know. I just, it blows my mind all the time that like I could leave this project here if it all goes according to plan. Cause I, I would like to say that this could still completely 100% fall apart. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Cause I would not get out of bed, but <laughs> the realist in you is like, I just gotta be honest. Sometimes yeah. life happens. Yeah. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes we're living in a pandemic. Um, you know, I don't know. The global warming, ice caps, all the things. Um, <laughs> So you never know. Side note. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Sam, what I'm really hearing you talk about throughout this whole thing is legacy. And I think, like, that's really what radical inclusivity is about. It's about action and it's about leaving this legacy so that folks can follow behind you and they can go further because you've already cleared a path. So they don't have to do the work to clear that. They can do work further on. Yeah, No, when you sent me those questions, I literally wrote down, like, challenge the standards and norms is, like, 
you know, 10 years ago, obviously people were having conversations about how to be inclusive in the outdoor spectrum to people with disabilities, but they weren't like, how do we quite literally make it for people with disabilities because the able-bodied people are already taken care of, mm-hmm. you know, it, and then I show up and I'm like, hey, this doesn't work. Let's challenge this. And I hope, I hope 25 years from now, someone will be like, hey, what she did doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Let's challenge this. I mean, we've had similar conversations, Dr. Exactly. Smith, is like, um, you know, something you said with, that's always stuck with me. I say, I think about it all the time is like, we're not a melting pot, we're a salad bowl. And like, you have <laughs> to mix that up sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, I hope in like the salad bowl of my research is like, <laughs> like someone shows up and like tosses it. Like, that's right. And then and make this a very nutritious meal, right? A very nutritious, <laughs> we can put some carbs in there. Put some croutons on this. Go for it. Oh that's... my gosh, y'all, there are going to be so many good hashtags. For <laughs> Well, that's inspiring, though. Really, that is really good. And I think more of us need to start thinking like that. And, and not that it's a selfish thought of legacy, but it's a collective thought of legacy mm-hmm. that we are uh, changing the world in which we live. Because, you know, some of the work that we're doing, especially with the Racial yeah. Reconciliation yep. Commission, we're looking at old documents, you know, um, the meeting minutes from a, a board meeting mm-hmm. in you know, 1873, you know, did yeah. those individuals sitting around that table imagine that someone would be reading those notes yeah. mm-hmm. in 2022, mm-hmm. right? And we have to begin to think about it for ourselves, to mm-hmm. your point, Sam, that, yeah, I'm doing this work in 2022, but somebody's going to be reading this in, you know, 2042, Yeah. you know, or... 3,042. You know, you never know. Somebody mm-hmm. may be That's reading. not a real year, actually. <laughs> That's know. not a real year, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. But the, imagine, yeah. you know, could the could the founding fathers of this institution, and that's what, it, it, you know, it hit me one day um, when I was walking, you know, across the campus, not to make it too deep, you know, <laughs> but I was walking across the campus, and uh, we were debating about who had actually participated and building Jewel Hall, yeah, the beginnings of Jewel Hall, and you know, the 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 belief is that enslaved Africans contributed yeah. to building that building, right. And as I'm walking across the campus back to my building, as the first African American person to sit on cabinet here, right, could those individuals who helped to build that building, could they imagine me, mm-hmm. right? Right? Mm. Not to get too deep, but that hit me. <laughs> not, not to not to get too deep, right? No, but, I, I think about very similar things, and I, I have a lot of different parts of my identity, and it, it's, yeah, no, of course. And then, like, when you're, like you said earlier, when you're at an institution at Jewel, like, you're this, you're this part, but, like, you have such an ability to make an impact at that part, especially in relation to radical inclusivity whatever that may look like at that time because radical inclusivity in like 1980 looked different than it does now that's right and um you know i think i think a lot of that which is something again we've talked about is just like it has made a lot of people uncomfortable for me to walk into their offices and be like these programs just aren't what they need to be Mm -hmm. and this research isn't here but it's like I'm not attacking anybody and like you're not attacking anybody yeah. and quilt bag isn't attacking anybody. And we just have to be un- 
comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Even if we're sitting there squirming in our chairs, being like, oh my God, my grandmother would never talk to me about this. Like, yeah. so yeah, I think that's good work, Sam, you know, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I just want people to really see what we're really trying to do, because yeah. I, I equate it to, you know, if you're going to do family history, we're talking about health. It, I think it's just being a responsible and smart individual to know your your family's history with regard to yeah. whatever the medical condition is. That's why you have to answer those questionnaires when you go to the doctor yeah. mm-hmm. of family history yeah, and conditions that your family perhaps have suffered from because yeah. the doctor is trying to treat you today but with the knowledge of this may be a challenge for you health-wise yeah i think we're doing the same thing when we examine the bones <laughs> of our institutions we're examining the yeah. the infrastructure of our institutions um all all we're doing is making sure that others don't suffer from yeah what others have suffered from in the past Which is, like, ultimately the goal, right? Like, people have kids for that same reason. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not, like, I've never heard a parent be like, yeah, I'm going to be the exact same type of parent my (laughs) parent was. That's what I want to do. So that's kind of, like, the same lens, I think, is, like, it would be weird for us to sit here and be like, yeah, I hope Jewel does not advance at all. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that would be weird. (laughs) That would be weird. That's exactly right. So, Sam, then, like, let's all take our paintbrushes and paint a picture of Jewel in 25 years. Like if we truly make the progress that you're hoping for, you're building in your program that Dr. Smith is working so Mm -hmm. hard for, like what does it look like? Help people understand where are we going right now? I don't think that's solely up to just me or Dr. Smith even. I think I think that's a collective action. I think that that really relies on like we can sit here and we can talk all day. We can have these efforts. And, you know, Dr. Smith and I are very much the type of people to walk into a room and be like, all right, what are we doing? (laughs) Not good. (laughs) Fix it. Um, But (laughs) because we have. Um, You know me better than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, as much as I want to paint that picture of like, yeah, in 25 years prior, we'll have comfortably established an equitable program that doesn't just touch on health equity and disability equity. And, like, we have a program that's safe for um, people with disabilities on top of what we do with Outward Bound. And then it's also, like, we have more scholarships and we have more racial diversity in our programs and we have more orientation diversity in our programs. Like, it's not just one frame, but then I think it's important that, like, People like Dr. Smith and you and I sit here and we like focus in on one frame at a time because otherwise I don't think the mobilization is going to work at all. I think it's just going to fall apart. It's like when you're trying to build like a Jenga tower too tall Mm. by yourself and then all of a sudden it's like this tall and like you stand up and it goes, no, thank you. Mm. So that didn't make any sense. But you get what I'm saying. (laughs) I've played a good amount of Jenga in my life. I know how heartbreaking that tower Mm -hmm. can be. And that's what I would hate to see happen in like these radical inclusivity efforts that Jules put so much effort in is like... For the whole Jenga tower to fall over because the efforts fell onto like fifty people. Mm-hmm. That's precisely why we are trying to have these conversations and do this work collectively with yeah. the whole entire campus. Because to your point, 
it is not the responsibility of a few, but the responsibility of all. Yeah. Um, And, you know, just, I think that that has been a resounding theme in my life for the past, uh, however long, however many years I've been doing this work and talking about it with not just the Jewel community, but the collective community. Because, you know, we've been getting a lot of conversations in the extended community about, and even some conversations internally about, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I got a letter recently about some of the work we're doing in racial reconciliation. And uh, they were saying that, you know, why why are you doing this controversial, painful work? You know, mm. it is no one's fault who's living today, mm. you know, that that history exists. And I agree. It's like, yeah, you're right. There's that none of it's none of our fault. No. But is that it is our responsibility Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I use the analogy <laughs> again mm-hmm. that uh, I live in an older house. My house was built in the 80s. Yeah. And I know some people who live in houses much older than that. Yeah. Um, and things go wrong. Like things go wrong in old houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when something goes wrong in that house, mm-hmm. I don't get the luxury of calling the original owners. <clears throat> right. I don't, I don't get the luxury of calling the builders it's i'm in the house now it is my responsibility to address whatever the problems are yeah mm-hmm. that's the analogy that i use and i want people to think about yeah no i'm not saying that you're it's your fault that we have that history yeah but it's your responsibility now that you live in the house that <laughs> is built on that history and it's so interesting to me that there are folks out there who would rather live in the house and do nothing yeah that's scary that makes me sad because it's like okay good luck when your house is flooding dude like yeah yeah eventually one way or another these things are going to catch up to you yeah but it's just like it's so heavy and i think overwhelming for some of these people it's like gosh so my roof is leaking so now i need to like take off shingles and i need to figure this out and because it leaked like now there's this and now there's this and they're like i just can't even cope with it so i'm just i just got to be out and You know, I feel like part of our work is to show people what it looks like to opt in. And that's why I love your work so much, Sam, because you're like, this is opting in for me. This is me seeing something where it's like, I have some efficacy. I have some power here. And I'm not just going to wait for somebody else to do it. Like, I am somebody. Yes. Yeah. And not to be like a psychology student here. (laughs) But it's like, I think people look at these giant challenges and think if you don't tackle it all at once you're unsuccessful right i have had about a million and five different setbacks in my research even in the last week (laughs) even in the last week let me specify i laid on the floor of the plc and moped for a good hour but then i got up the next hour and i was like how do i make this work that's also what i do one time i was walking through the plc and i saw someone with like their head in their hands and then they were crying and then their timer went off and they spun around in their chair and they started taking notes again and i was like that's exactly what it's like to be a student at William Joe College. Yeah. That is like you schedule your crying. Like <laughs> I'm like so proud of their time management and also That's... I just want to give them a hug. No, like you can like this is what everything looks like here. <laughs> I Sam, I really appreciate you and I mean just all of the things that you're bringing to yeah. campus cuz I feel like you know between like your quadruple learnings that you're doing with your majors and minors, the way that you're contributing your voice for the diversity and inclusion efforts, the way that you're 
like contributing your action with prior like I just think there's a lot of ways that other students and faculty and staff in our like global community (laughs) could really learn about this and I just hope that they're as inspired by you as Dr. Smith and I are and I hope that they also hear the inspirational people sometimes need a moment to lay in a private room (laughs) and it's okay you know have someone who could ask and not um no well it's no but i you know and even the story you said about you know you saw a student and they were crying and then the timer went off and they went back to taking notes it's just life it's just life and then i I, maybe one of my advisees i I tell students i tell people all the time because i give myself a timeline it's okay for you to be upset and disappointed about some of the outcomes of life but give yourself a time limit. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I do. Like, yeah. like for example, we've had some really successful meetings that have been really productive and fruitful and Kevin and I have, and like, I'll walk out of those meetings and I'll be like, I'm going to have an hour to celebrate that I'm a freaking rock star and like, I'm incredible and no one's better than me ever. And then I'm also going to remember that this is temporary and I need to remember how to make this last and that yes. this is bigger than me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the flip side of that, like when I have a bad meeting or a bad conference or presentation or whatever I sit there like I just applied for grants and I've already like I have the date that it's supposed to come out and I have it like under the date that it's supposed to come out like have an hour for both Mm. like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, yes you know because it's like regardless of the outcome is like you have to still figure out how to make these things last because if I just drop the ball on this project one I've wasted a lot of people's time and two I think I'm letting go of something really important here that I'm passionate about and that has become not only a passion project for me, but I hope will be a passion project for others. And if my hypothesis and research and science that is here and that I'm doing is correct, makes a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't go into science thinking like, oh, I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to <laughs> drive right. a yacht. Uh, drive a yacht? Wow. Uh, that's a really <laughs> expensive yacht. Um, <laughs> like I went into science thinking like, this is going to suck and this is going to be hard. But if at like, if at 82 I'm laying in my hospital bed and I can think like, yeah, that one published paper helps someone else publish their paper, yeah. then I think I'm okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it then keeps I, you pushing. It keeps you going. Yeah. You know, life goes on. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. I found like social advocacy and this type, yeah. type of academia that I didn't even really know existed until yeah. I got to Jewel. Because I mean, when you think like science, you think like biochem and molecules, which are great and I love those. Awesome. But... <laughs> This is definitely where it is for me. Mm -hmm. Sam, we are unfortunately coming to the end of our time. I'm curious, is there anything that we haven't asked you about that you want to share with folks before we wrap up or any final words of wisdom? I don't, I don't think so. I guess uh, sometimes it's okay to be a raccoon in a garage. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. That's really how I've managed this is just like, getting through it and then remembering that it's bigger than me yeah mm-hmm. so. maybe that's the title of this podcast it's raccoon like, in a garage rac- oh garage. <laughs> <laughs> yes it could oh have been something gosh. really philosophical like in, uh exclusion is easier than inclusion no <laughs> raccoon in a garage hands down <laughs> i mean both are memorable both, both are memorable are, yeah. both i think are wise in their own ways <laughs> yeah you know they just touch different parts of people's hearts yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah. different heartstrings are being pulled right. it's still an organ so it's fine <laughs> exactly 
Well, y'all, you have been listening to the Radical Inclusivity Podcast at William Jewell College. I'm your co-host, Al Leone. And I'm your co-host, Rodney Smith. You have been listening to the Radical Inclusivity Podcast, brought to you by William Jewell College. Visit us online at www.jewell.edu. That's jewell with two L's, dot edu. William Jewell College, Kansas City's critical thinking college.